Chapter 8 Five fire engines and a tanker truck were staged in front of Hawksworth's expensive home as I pulled up. Located in an exclusive development up the hills at the edge of town, the house was one of those McMansions that Fawcettville's moneyed minority built. Or at least it was. Flames were already shooting through the roof and the front windows of the main part of the house in the west wing. Smoke darkened the white pillars on each side of the front door and the white brick exterior. Only the garage, located at the east side of the home, wasn't burning. I recognized Hawksworth's muddy Jeep Wrangler, which had been at the drill site this morning, sitting by the curb. A black two-door Jaguar had been pulled down to the end of the driveway for safety. I searched among the chaos of firefighters dashing back and forth in multiple hoses along the ground until I found my client. Looks like the gang's all here. What the hell happened? Hawksworth ran his hands through his gray, flat-top haircut and shook his head. I have no idea. I was in the kitchen fixing myself a sandwich when I heard the window break and saw a flash of light in the living room. I went running in there, but the room was already on fire, so I just grabbed what I could from the office and ran. So, you think it was a Molotov cocktail? That's a hell of a lot of damage for one single bottle of gasoline and a rag. Hawksworth shook his head, clearly rattled. I couldn't blame him. His daughter was missing car had burned up and there was a body in the trunk. Now his house was on fire, likely a total loss. He may have been a hard-bitten bastard, but even bastards are entitled to a bad day or two. I have no idea. All I heard was the front window break. That's what I told the police, too. Any ideas who would have done this to you? I sure as hell do. It's that tree-hugging terrorist Steve McComer from Seoul. That son of a bitch had and his followers have been sitting at the end of my driveway protesting my company since that suit was filed. Is that who you think might know where Sarah is? Is he in custody? I looked around for a police car, but in the failing darkness and controlled chaos of smoke and fire trucks, I couldn't find one. No doubt there was one here. Hell, I don't know if the police have him or not. I have no idea or not if he knows Sarah's whereabouts. Last official dealing I had with him was a restraining order to keep him 500 feet away from my property. The courts made him stand on the opposite side of the street. Bastard would yell and scream at me as I pulled him out of my driveway. You had me run over here because you said the perp might know where Sarah is. Now you're telling me you're not sure? Firefighters were dragging hoses close to the Jaguar on the driveway, trying to extinguish the flames. Hey, watch it! Hawksworth bellowed and ran toward them. I watched another cop push him back from the flames. He walked back over to me, his fists shoved in his pockets like a pugilist ready to strike. So you think McComber knows where Sarah is? I don't know shit about anything right now. My house is on fire and those assholes are going to damage my jag if they're not careful. I filed the denial away and took another tack. When was that restraining order filed? Maybe a week or so ago. It's not like it made any damn difference. Bastard was screaming at me and pounding on my jeep when I pulled into the driveway tonight. We had some words, I called the police and went inside. The cops came, but McComber was already gone. They went to find him, and when I went to make my sandwich, bang, I hear the window break, and my living room is on fire. A young, earnest-looking police officer stepped up behind Hawksworth and touched him on the shoulder. Excuse me, Mr. Hawksworth, we have someone we need you to identify. The young cop pointed to a cruiser a few feet away, where a gangly, long-haired man sat in the back with his arms handcuffed behind him. He was clean-shaven and looked to be in his early to mid-thirties. His hair hung in dirty dreadlocks. I could see soul screen printed in white letters across the top of his dark t-shirt. 
Hawksworth caught McComer's eye and lifted his chin arrogantly. The beginnings of a pissing contest. Yeah, that's him. That's Steve McComer, the bastard I have the restraining order on. I need you to come a little closer to be sure it's him. We picked him up about three blocks away. You feel safe doing that? Hawksworth shot the young cop a dirty look, as if to say, Would a guy like me who wrestles oil and gas from the bowels of the earth on a daily basis be afraid of some idiot hippie? McComer's head jerked back and the front seat of the cruiser bounced like it had been kicked. Hawksworth cocked back a fist. Clearly there was no love lost between these two. McComer started screaming through the lowered rear window. I don't know what you're trying to do to me, Hawksworth. I didn't set fire to your fucking house. I was back in my apartment. You won't shut me up either. I've got my First Amendment rights. Fuck you, McComer. You think you can stop me drilling? You think you can scare me? Hawksworth jumped toward the cruiser, his fist clenching again. The young cop stepped in front of him and pushed him back. I got you. I got you, McComer. I'll get you and those fucking terrorists in your little group. Wait. Just wait. I'd call that a positive ID. The cop nodded in exasperation. Come on, Hawksworth. Let's go down to my office. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. I gotta make sure no one else tries to scare me off. Your choice. I'm sure the Jag would make a great place to sleep overnight, if the Red Cross doesn't offer you housing, and if the fire doesn't spread to your vehicles. Hawksworth shot another dirty look, this one in my direction. I shrugged and walked over to the cruiser. I put my arm on the top of the vehicle and leaned over into the open window. Hey, McComer. You know uh, Sarah Hunter Pelfrey? Or Lucy Pelfrey? Or maybe a Hunter Hawksworth? Who are you? Somebody was looking for her. Do you know her? His hostility faded a bit, but not his suspicion. Yeah, I know her. Why? Her car burned up this morning, and when the fire was out, they found a body in the trunk. His jaw dropped. No. I'm afraid so. It wasn't hers, though. Any idea where she'd be or why she'd have a dead body in the trunk of her car? He just sighed. I'm a recovering heroin addict. Sarah and I are in Narcotics Anonymous together, N.A. I see her at least once a week, but she's not the kind of person who would kill somebody. I didn't say she killed anybody. I just want to know where she's at. The young cop returned to the cruiser, shooing me away from the window. I gotta take him downtown and book him. You can speak with him later. Visiting hours tomorrow from ten to four. Before you go, I stepped in front of the young cop. You think Detective Barnes will be investigating this case? He just shrugged. I don't know who will be assigned, sir. Dispatch has contacted whoever was on call, but I don't know if they're here yet. Thanks. I wrapped on top of the cruiser with my knuckles, an old habit from my FPD days. I'll see you tomorrow, McComer. Yeah, if I don't bond out first. He said it with all the arrogant confidence of youth and conviction. Seoul's Legal Defense Fund will take care of that. I'm sure they will. I walked back to my excursion. I'm sure they will. As I drove away from the fire, it didn't look like this case was getting any easier. If anything, it was getting more and more twisted. I had Sarah, a missing recovering meth addict and target of a known drug dealer. I had McComer, a tree-hugging former junkie with at least one count of aggravated arson in his future. 
the tree hugger knows Sarah through a 10-step program and knows her father, Chase, but in a strictly adversarial way. With the anonymity of recovery groups, did McComer know they were related? Chase claimed initially that McComer might know Sarah's whereabouts, then denied it. What the hell was that about? I've got a former full-bore drilling employee who admits to assaulting the transgender stripper who likely ended up dead in the back of Sarah's car, and who knew Sarah was being threatened. And Tony Repetto's reaction to the assault left me more than a little cold. What Chase Hawksworth brought to Fawcettville in terms of jobs and damage had to be considered in this whole mess. Two other families claimed he was responsible for contaminating their water supply, but more than likely couldn't be considered as suspects in Sarah's disappearance or Tommy Lynn's death. I made a third phone call to Sarah's cell, and for the third time got no answer. Flames were the only thing that connected them all. Flames from the natural gas that permeated the Wheelersons and the Nagy's wells. Flames from the fire that consumed Sarah's vehicle and Tommy Lynn's body, and now... The flames that consumed Chase Hawksworth's fancy home.